I'm going to read a little verse from the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 19. Um, it won't come up on the screen just now, but it will come up later on. Um, so over the next four weeks, well, today being one of those four, we're going to look at the subject, what do Christians do? And t- today we're going to start off with the subject of baptism. It's a subject that is approached differently by different churches, and I have been into the studies of baptism and looking at the ways different people approach this. Today isn't going to be a message about looking at all the different approaches. It's going to be looking at how we approach baptism as a church. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, we'll go, over the next few weeks, when we look at what Christians do, we're going to look at communion, we're going to look at giving, and we're also going to look at serving. And when it comes to serving, we're going to look at how people can serve in the life of the church, how people can serve in the life of our community as well. So let's read a few verses from the Bible. Matthew 28, verse 16 through to 19. And Jesus, it's all about him chatting with his disciples. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I think it's really interesting that the Bible says that some doubted. Why would you put that in? If you're trying to convince people that this happened, why would you put in that some doubted? I just think that's an interesting little uh, addition after the semicolon there. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. Okay, Kathleen's going to advance my slides today because my clicker has went into outer space somewhere. Um, I don't know where it's went. It's went on holiday and not come back. Uh, so Kathleen's going to be clicking for me today. So why look at the subject of baptism at all? Well, firstly, Jesus gave us the example of baptism by his own life. It was a public demonstration, an act of faith, an act of humility, if you stop to think about it, but also an act of obedience on his part. And we'll come to look at that and why baptism. We'll look at John chapter 1, that Bible reference. Secondly, Jesus gave the disciples the instruction to teach and to baptize new Christians. And it's therefore one of two ordinances that have been practiced in the church from its foundation, the other being communion, which we'll look at next week. But also, for us as an Assemblies of God church, it is one of our fundamental beliefs. And it tells us in the Bible, it tells us in the the fundamental beliefs that we believe that all who have truly repented and believed in Christ as Lord and Saviour are commanded to be baptised by immersion in water. And the references are Matthew 28, 19, Acts chapter 2, 38 to 39, and Acts 10, 47 to 48. So, the reasons for baptism, Jesus' example, Jesus' teaching, and also for us as a church, because it's what we believe that the Bible tells us to do, and it's part of the fundamentals of what we believe. It's part of our statement of faith as a church. I want to think a little bit about the mode of baptism. How do we baptize people? And I'm going to show you a little video. For those who've never seen a baptismal service in Whitburn Pentecostal Church before, 
Here it comes on the screen by permission of Sarah. Should have for that as well, guys. Too late, don't bother about the sound. At the end, there's a big round of applause as Sarah comes back up out of the water and we begin to sing Sarah's song, which she has chosen. And the reason that we do that is because the Greek word that is translated baptize is actually baptizo, and it means to dip and was used amongst the Greek people. Oh, we're showing it again. How did that happen? (laughs) I'm spying on this monitor here. It's used to signify, for example, the dyeing of a garment. The picture up there uh, looks a bit kind of gross, actually, when you see it on the screen. So, like, ooh, what's that? It's actually, it's actually a T-shirt and some red dye. Um, and in order to dye a T-shirt, it needs to go fully under the water or you end up with white bits on it, right, if it's white to start with. Um, remember when tie-dyeing was all the craze, yeah? Everybody was dyeing things in funny different colors. I never did that. I thought, that's beyond me. Um, so the, the word that's used there means to submerse underneath the water, the whole garment. There's a second example. For example, if you're uh, putting a bucket into a well to draw water, you can see there that the bucket has been all the way down in the water. It's coming up. There's water spilling over the edge. And this is the sense of the word that is used when it talks about baptizing. Okay? It's also by biblical example not just the words that are actually used but by example and we'll look at jesus example as well it says in matthew three sixteen that he as in jesus went up out of the water second reference mark 1 10 as jesus was coming out of the water we can see here that something has happened jesus has went down into water he's come back up out of water two different references in the Bible there. And the third reference is about an Ethiopian man who was baptized by Philip. And it says here, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch, the Ethiopian man, said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. They went down into the water. They didn't stop at the water side. They went down into the water. Philip baptized him and then he came back up. So the mode of baptism, I think what the Bible is saying, and I'm not going to go into all the other things that surround this. If you want us to go into that, I'll happily have that chat with you when we do our baptismal talk. Because when we do the baptismal talk, I go into all the background of baptism. But for the sake of time today and the fact that we've got the kids in, we'll stick to uh, the basics. The second thing after the mode of baptism is that baptism is an ordinance or an instruction or a command. And I think it's clear from Scripture that baptism is part of the discipleship process. That's the context in which Jesus mentions the baptism mentions baptism in the Great Commission, which was the passage that we read out. This is what it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How often have you heard those words? I mucked mucked it up when I baptized Sarah because I was so excited and nervous at the same time. I got them around the wrong way. 
But what I would normally say was, Sarah, on confession of your faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the reason we do that is because this is what Jesus instructs the disciples to do. And this is what we have done throughout the centuries following that. Baptizing them, but also teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's like Jesus' instructions to the disciples at the Passover when they're having that Passover meal before Jesus is crucified. And when he takes the bread, which represents his body, he takes the wine, which represents his blood, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. It's something that he expects to be done after he has departed. But we need to think about the question then, is baptism, if it's a command, is baptism essential to our salvation? And some churches believe that baptism is essential to salvation. But the bottom line is that Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. And if we need to be baptized as part of our salvation, then we've got to add something else onto the work that God has done. So then we're no longer saved by grace through faith, we're saved by grace through faith and some sort of religious activity or ritual. But I don't think that's what the Bible tells us. It does tell us to believe and be baptized though. As well as this, one of the things that is recorded in the Bible, and it's an incredible story, and we learn so much from it, and it speaks so much into the things which we believe as a church, is the man who was crucified alongside Jesus on the cross. The Bible tells us that when he was on the cross, dying for the sin of the world, there was a man on his left and a man on his right, and they were hurling insults at Jesus. And one of them eventually wakes up and he said, you can't speak to this man like this, he's not done anything wrong. And the man recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God, and he says to him, that, will you remember me? Will you remember me? After all this has happened, after we die, will you remember me? And Jesus says these incredible words to him. Today, in Luke 23, 43, today you will be with me in paradise. That's an incredible verse. This man has had no opportunity to do good things after he's been crucified anyway. He's on the cross. He has no opportunity to do good things. He has no opportunity to be baptized. He has no opportunity to expand and develop his faith, to read the Bible, to pray, to do all these things. He simply turns to Jesus in faith and says, remember me. He recognizes who Jesus is and Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And I think that's a powerful story that speaks into so many of the things that we believe as a church. So baptism, we've talked about the mode of baptism, how we do it and why we do it that way, the fact that it's a command and why we believe that. But also, I want to think about why, why get baptized to start with anyway. And I'm going to put up, well, Kathleen's going to put up a little picture for us. It'll come up on the screen just now. This picture looks like it's really, really ancient, doesn't it? Yeah? No? Do you think it looks ancient? I think it looks ancient, right? It's the quality. That's a Mark III Ford Escort in the picture, right? I used to have a Mark III Ford Escort. I remember smashing the light on the back as I was reversing out my driveway. But these were in the early days when we were part of the church here. But before we were in this church, we used to go to this church, okay? 
and probably 1986, maybe 1987, I can't quite work out, I'll need to ask my mum uh, when she comes back from holiday, when did we pitch up at Shettleson Baptist Church? That's the church where Mary and I met many years ago. But it's also the church where I was baptised. Now, I'm going to go a wee bit further back in the story. I showed a few people the photograph of our Sunday school when I was probably about four or five, maybe. And there's this little keen guy in the front row. He's facing the pictures now. What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? And then there's my brother who's... He, er, my, my wee brother Ian, he's really kind of laid back. He's just kind of... Right? And then there's my other brother, Alan. You know Alan. He's kind of looking off to the side somewhere, as, as he does, distracted. But at that time in life, I used to sit in church, just as the boys and girls are sitting in church just now. I used to, my legs were too short to reach the floor. I used to swing my legs and play with my cars on my knee and do all those things. But something happened in those services. I heard this incredible message about what Jesus had done for me. And one night, I remember going home and responding to that message. Six years old. I was six years old. And I remember, I've told this story so many times, and you're probably fed up listening to it, but I remember getting out of my bed, down on my knees, and saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for all the bad things I've done, which were pretty horrendous at six. Okay? <laughs> I'm really, really sorry for, and I, I pray that you'd forgive me, and that you'd come into my heart, and that you'd help me to live for you and to be a Christian. Six years old. Simple, simple, simple. And that day, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And as you get older, you start to learn about life. You start to make mistakes. You start to make some really big mistakes. And you think, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. And then you realize, actually, what is this stuff all about that we talk about in church? And you begin to ask questions. You begin to have doubts. And you think, do I really believe in all this stuff? And I came to the conclusion as I got older that I did believe in this stuff. But when I was at this church, one day, on a Sunday, we had a missionary come and speak at our church. And I can't remember a word of what he said now. What I do remember is that God was speaking to me. I heard the voice of God speak into my heart. And I knew that I had to respond to it. I knew that I had to make some kind of decision that day. And my decision was, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And as I've said on more than one occasion, we sung that song at the end of the service. Here I am, wholly available. As for me, I will serve the Lord. And in this church, I'm pointing to here because I've got a screen here, okay? In this church, in this church, something happened. God spoke to me and I responded to that. And my decision was to be baptized to show other people that I had made that decision in my heart. And so therefore, it was a public demonstration of that decision which had already happened. Baptism didn't make me a Christian. Baptism was the decision I made because I was a Christian. I read what Jesus had said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And I thought, I need to get baptized working in Strathclyde Park, guys who were working alongside me. And I remember inviting one of, uh, I invited loads of the guys who worked beside to come to my baptismal service. And one of them, I discovered at that time, was a Christian. I didn't know he was a Christian. I was like, yay, I've got a chum and work who's a Christian. It was really exciting. 
but my decision to be baptized was an expression of the faith that was welling up in me at the time why do we get baptized we get baptized because god is working in us and we want to tell the world that he's working in us we want to tell the world that we're committed to him why do we get baptized the second thing is that it's by jesus example jesus didn't get baptized for the forgiveness of sins because he was sinless jesus didn't get baptized to repent of anything in other words to turn around and turn away from an old life like we do because he had nothing to repent of he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness it says that in matthew 3 15 but we read that john the baptist was operating under god's instruction that moment of jesus baptism was a public declaration that he was the son of god john had heard from god that this would be the sign of the messiah i'm going to read through some passages that deal with jesus baptism from each of the gospels and when we come to john we're going to come back to this point listen to what it says first of all in matthew 3 13 to 17 and it should be up on the screen then jesus came from galilee to the jordan to be baptized by john but john tried to deter him i need to be baptized by you and do you come to me jesus replied let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness then john consented as soon as jesus was baptized he went up out of the water we referred to that that part of that sentence at that moment heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of god descend like a dove and light on him and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased something happens here jesus says that it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness there was a reason jesus did this the reason he did it was because of obedience to what god the father was saying and we read here that there was this moment when jesus comes up out of the water that something supernatural happens john sees the spirit descend like a dove and if he and probably others hear the voice this is my son with whom i love with him i am well pleased mark 1 9 to 11 says this at that time jesus came from nazareth in galilee and was baptized by john in the jordan as jesus was coming up out of the water there's that phrase again he saw heaven being opened uh, torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom i love with you i am well pleased luke records it this way in uh, chapter 3 when all the people were being baptized jesus was baptized too and he was praying uh, sorry and as he was praying heaven was opened and the holy spirit descended on, on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you're my son whom i love with you i am well pleased the same account by different people but then i want to just pause for a little second in john chapter 1 verse 31 to 34 and this is what john the baptist is saying not john who wrote the book but john the baptist i myself did not know him but the reason i came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed 
to Israel. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the reason that Jesus was baptized was that he might be revealed to Israel as the Son of God. John had already heard the voice of the Father saying that when this happens, you'll know that this man's the Messiah. But in order to see that happen, Jesus had to be obedient to what God was saying to him. The Father was saying to him. Therefore, he said, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. We need to do this to show our obedience to God, my obedience to God. And this is what it says. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Verse 33. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, John goes on to say, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. In that moment, there was a supernatural event happened. The Holy Spirit comes, descends on Jesus almost in a, a, a kind of bodily form, in the form of a dove, and there's this witness in that way, and also the voice that comes from heaven to say, this is my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus was obedient to what God was saying. John the Baptist was also obedient to what God was saying. And together there is this declaration, this sign that's been recorded for us 2,000 years later, that this man who was baptized is, in fact, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Many messiahs had come. Many messiahs had gone. This was the real deal. And Jesus shows us by example that we need to be obedient to the Father. Why do we get baptized? Well, we get baptized because it's an expression of something that's happened within us. We get baptized because Jesus has given us that example. But we also get baptized because Jesus has commanded us. And we've already looked at that. But let me reiterate the key verse. Jesus, in his parting words to his disciples, says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The first instruction. Not just for your little club in Jerusalem, but all nations. So the message had to go viral. It had to go worldwide. And that's exactly what happened. The church's growth, when it started, was explosive. And it was explosive growth amid persecution, let me add. We'll maybe come on to talk about that in weeks to come. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. These are Jesus' parting words. These are the things which Jesus expects his disciples to do. These are the things which we have picked up as traditions in the church from this moment in time. So when we think about what Christians do, the reason that we baptize is because it's here in the Bible. Fourthly, why do we get baptized? We get baptized because we are identifying ourselves with Christ. This is what Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through to 6 says. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live 
a new life. What it's talking about is that our old life, our old kind of sinful life, if you like, the old nature, the old things that rise up within us, what we're saying is that those things have died, just like Jesus died for our sins, and the going under the water signifies that death. It signifies that burial. It's a symbol. And thereafter, we come up, and there's this newness of life. And it says that if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Interesting verses. So when we're baptizing, when we're becoming baptized, it's about us identifying with what Jesus has done for us. It's a symbol. It symbolizes uh, the removal of the old nature. The old nature is dying, and when we come up out of the water, it's representing the fact that we're clean. We have that new nature, that life that needs to be lived for God and with God. Wouldn't it be great if, when we come up out of the water of baptism, that all the old habits, all the old stuff was gone, all the things that tempt us were gone, and we were perfect and lived holy and sinless lives for the rest of our lives till the end of the story. Wouldn't that be so good? Hey, it's not like that, <laughs> unfortunately. Even Paul talks about that. The things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, the very things I do. So the, the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, had the same struggles. Only one person, even though he was tempted, never sinned. But we get baptized to identify with the work that Jesus has done in our lives. Just as we finish off, Christian baptism then, as we've looked at, is by full immersion. We've looked at the reasons for that. We've looked at the Greek words that are used in the Bible. We've also looked at examples. It's also part of the discipleship process. We've looked at that. The Bible tells us it's part of that discipleship process, Matthew chapter 28. It's also, as we read in that passage, a direct command of the Lord Jesus Christ to the disciples. It also follows belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've not went into a whole bunch of scriptures that talk about believe and be baptized. Okay, We're only touching on the subject today. There's so much more that could be said. It's also an outward expression of an inward conviction. I've told you my own story, my own testimony about what God has done in my life and that baptism was about telling the world that Jesus has done that. It's an identification with the death, the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a point which we would go into in more depth when we look at the subject one-to-one. This is only an introduction to the subject of baptism. People have wrote books on it. The church has been divided on it in, uh, in, in some areas as well. So it's not, it's not the whole picture. The Bible has more to say about it, um, but we're not going to go into all that today. But what I would say is if you've not been baptized, then come and have a chat. In September, we want to open up the baptismal tank, and we want to be baptizing people uh, new Christians, old Christians, if you've not been baptized, then we would love to do that. And if you've not been baptized, why not? I'm scared of water. 
well, when I get baptized, I couldn't swim. Right? <laughs> I was uh, scared of water. Robert Cook taught me to swim down over at Burn Bass. After I nearly drowned, I thought, I need to do something about this. Okay? Don't be scared, because we've not lost anybody yet. Okay? <laughs> we've got a good track record of 100%. Yeah? 100% people come back up still breathing, so don't worry about that. But if you've not been baptized, I encourage you to do that. It's a tremendous celebration of the work of God in our lives. It's a tremendous celebration as a church, and it's a powerful demonstration of what God is doing in our lives. So if you've not been baptized, please come and speak to me. We would love to have a chat about that and maybe go into it in a bit more depth and talk about where you're at and uh, really explore that. Let's just pray. Musicians are going to come back up and we're going to take up our closing uh, we'll take up our offering and sing our closing song but let's just pray for a minute as we still our hearts before God Father we thank you for the example of Jesus Father we thank you for his obedience to you Father we thank you that he was given the strength to live his life in a way that was perfect Father, we thank you that Jesus has died on our behalf for our sins, for the sins of the whole world. And Father, we thank you for that opportunity. And Lord, we just pray today that you'd help us to make that decision to acknowledge what Jesus has done for us, to come before you just like a six-year-old boy who confessed his sins to you and asked you to come into his life. Father, we pray that that would happen today. Father, it applies to all of us. It applies to each and every one of us. It's not for special people. It's for everybody. Father, we thank you for the book of John, which tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for that truth. We thank you that the church has grown despite persecution. And Father, even over the years when people have tried to extinguish your word, the Bible, Father, where people have tried to extinguish the church. Father, that it not only has it endured, but it has thrived. And Father, we know that the church has its problems today, but Father, we pray that you would help us to be your servants, to be your ambassadors in this world. Father, we ask that you would help us to think on these truths, and Father, to think on how they apply to us. And Father, we pray that your spirit would continue to speak on today, long after this service is finished. May your name be glorified. May we follow you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.